Hello, this is Christopher from Defeat Modernism. In honor of St. Stephen, King of Hungary, whose feast day is today, I have created this video. In the first part, I will read from the Roman Breviary, the Office of Matins, the Lessons, uh, from that day regarding St. Stephen. Uh, then right after it, I will play a narration from the Butler's Lives of the Saints regarding St. Stephen. And then at the end, I will play a video from another channel, a, about a 15-minute clip that will go over the monarchy, the history of the monarchy, the, 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 the lineage, I guess is what I should say, the family tree going down from, from St. Stephen. So for those of you who, who find ancestry interesting, you'll, you'll probably like that. So I will now begin with the Roman breviary. It was Stephen who first gave to Hungary the faith of Christ and the name of a kingdom. He obtained the kingly crown from the Bishop of Rome, and being by command of the same anointed king, he made an offering of his kingdom to the Apostolic See. With wonderful devotion and bounty, he found diverse godly houses at Rome, Jerusalem, and Constantinople, and in Hungary, the Archbishopric of Estegram, and ten other sees. Toward the poor, he had the same love and bounty. He greeted them as though they were Christ himself, and never sent anyone away sorrowing and empty. He spent vast sums in relieving their poverty, and also often parted among them with exceeding tenderness, even the furniture of his house. Moreover, it was his use to wash the feet of the poor with his own hands, and to go in the night alone and unknown to the hospitals, and to wait on them that lay there, and show them other deeds of kindness. It was the reward of these good works that, when the rest of his body decayed, his right hand remained incorrupt. He passed almost whole nights in earnest prayer, and when totally wrapped in the thought of heavenly things, he sometimes became beside himself and was seen to rise off the ground into the air. In more than one instance, he strangely escaped through the power of prayer from rebellion, treason, and the onslaughts of mighty foes. He married Gisela of Bavaria, a sister to the holy emperor Henry, and begot on her Emmerich, whom he trained up in such manners and godliness as are shown by his also becoming a saint. To carry on the business of his kingdom, he gathered together from all quarters the most learned and godly men, and took nothing in hand without their advice. Meanwhile, he entreated of God by the most lowly supplications, offered up in sackcloth and ashes, that, before he departed this life, he might see all Hungary Catholic. On account of his excellent zeal for the spread of the faith, he is called the Apostle of that nation, and the Bishop of Rome gave to him and to his successors the right to have a cross carried before them. He had a burning zeal to honor the Mother of God. He built a very great church in her honor and made her patroness of Hungary. In return, the same virgin received him into heaven upon the day of her own assumption, which the Hungarians, by the example of the Holy King, call the Great Lady's Day. His hallowed body yielded the sweetest savor 
and reeked with a heavenly liquid. And amid many and diverse wonders, it was removed by command of the Bishop of Rome into a more noble place, and more honorably buried. Pope Innocent XI ordered his feast to be held upon the second day of September, on account of the famous victory over the Turks, which was gained upon this day, when the army of Leopold I, Emperor-elect of the Romans and King of Hungary, wrested from them, by the help of God, the city of Buddha. From Butler's Lives of the Saints The History of Saint Stephen, King of Hungary The people whom we call Magyars came into the country of Hungary during the last years of the 9th century, settling in the land around the Danube, from several districts to the east of it, under the general leadership of a chief called Arpad. They were a fierce and marauding people and met Christianity in the course of their raids into Italy, France and westward generally. Saint Methodius and others had already planted the faith in Pannonia, but it was not until the second half of the 10th century that the Magyars themselves began to pay any serious consideration to the church. Geza, the third duke after Arpad, saw the political necessity of Christianity to his country, and, encouraged by Saint Adalbert of Prague, he was baptized and a number of his nobles followed his example. But it was largely a conversion of expediency, and had the usual result of such conversions, the Christianity of the converts was largely nominal. An exception to this was Geza's son, Vaik, who had been baptized at the same time as his father and been given the name of Stephen, Eastvan, he was then only about ten and so had not acquired pagan ways and fixed habits of mind. In the year 995, when he was twenty, he married Gisela, sister of Henry, Duke of Bavaria, better known as the Emperor Saint Henry II, and two years later he succeeded his father as governor of the Magyars. Stephen was soon engaged in wars with rival tribal leaders and others, and when he had consolidated his position he sent Saint Astrike, whom he designed to be the first archbishop, to Rome to obtain Pope Sylvester's approval for a proper ecclesiastical organization for his country and at the same time to ask His Holiness to confer upon him the title of King, which his nobles had long pressed him to assume and which he now asked that he might with more majesty and authority accomplish his designs for promoting the glory of God, and the good of his people. Sylvester was disposed to grant his request, and prepared a royal crown to send him with his blessing, acting no doubt in concert with political representations from the Emperor Otto III who was then in Rome. At the same time the Pope confirmed the religious foundations which the Prince had made and the elections of bishops. Saint Stephen went to meet his ambassador upon his return and listened, standing with great respect, to the Pope's balls whilst they were read, to express his own sense of religion and to inspire his subjects with awe for whatever belonged to divine worship, he always treated the pastors of the church with great honor and respect. 
The same prelate who had brought the crown from Rome crowned him king with great solemnity in the year 1001.Middle. Firmly to root Christianity in his kingdom and to provide for its steady progress after his own time, King Stephen established episcopal sees only gradually, as Magyar clergy became available, Vesprem is the first of which there is reliable record, but within some years Estegom, was founded and became the primatial see. At Zeeksherva he built a church in honor of the Mother of God, in which the kings of Hungary were afterwards both crowned and buried. This city St. Stephen made his usual residence, whence it was called Alba Regalis to distinguish it from Alba Julia in Transylvania. He also completed the foundation of the great monastery of St. Martin, begun by his father. This monastery, known as Martinsburg or Pannenhalmer, still exists, and is the motherhouse of the Hungarian Benedictine congregation. For the support of the churches and their pastors and the relief of the poor throughout his dominions he commanded tithes to be paid. Every tenth town had to build a church and support a priest, the king himself furnished the churches. He abolished, not without violence, barbarous and superstitious customs derived from the former religion and by severe punishments repressed blasphemy, murder, theft, adultery and other public crimes. He commanded all persons to marry except religious and churchmen, and forbade all marriages of Christians with idolaters. He was of easy access to people of all ranks, and listened to everyone's complaints, but was most willing to hear the poor, knowing them to be more easily oppressed and considering that in them we honor Christ who, being no longer among men on earth in his mortal state, has recommended to us the poor in his place and right. It is said that one day, while the king was distributing arms in disguise, a troop of beggars crowding round him knocked him down, hustled him, pulled at his herd and hair, and took away his purse, seizing for themselves what he intended for the relief of many others. Stephen took this indignity humbly and with good humor, happy to suffer in the service of his Saviour, and his nobles, when they heard of this, were amused and chaffed him about it, but they were also disturbed, and insisted that he should no more expose his person, but he renewed his resolution never to refuse an alms to any poor person that asked him. The example of his virtue was a most powerful sermon to those who came under his influence, and in no one was it better exemplified than in his son, Emmerich, to whom Stephen's code of laws was inscribed. These laws he caused to be promulgated throughout his dominions, and they were well suited to a fierce and rough people newly converted to Christianity but they were not calculated to allay the discontent and alarm of those who were still opposed to the new religion, and some of the wars which St. Stephen had to undertake had a religious as well as a political significance. When he had overcome an eruption of the Bulgarians he undertook the political organization of his people. 
He abolished tribal divisions and divided the land into counties, with a system of governors and magistrates. Thus, and by means of a limited application of feudal ideas, making the nobles vassals of the crown, he welded the Magyars into a unity, and by retaining direct control over the common people he prevented undue accumulation of power into the hands of the lords. Saint Stephen was indeed the founder and architect of the independent realm of Hungary. But, as Father Paul Grossjean, Bollandist, has remarked, to look at him otherwise than against his historical background gives as false an impression as to think of him as a sort of Edward the Confessor or Louis IX. And that background was a very fierce and uncivilized one. As the years passed, Stephen wanted to entrust a greater part in the government to his only son, but in 1031 Emmerich was killed while hunting. God loved him, and therefore he has taken him away early, cried Saint Stephen in his grief. The death of Emmerich left him without an heir and the last years of his life were embittered by family disputes about the succession, with which he had to cope while suffering continually from painful illness. There were four or five claimants, of whom one, Peter, was the son of his sister Gisela, an ambitious and cruel woman, who since the death of her husband had lived at the Hungarian court. She had made up her mind that her son should have the throne, and shamelessly took advantage of Stephen's ill health to forward her ends. He eventually died, aged 63, on the feast of the Assumption 1038, and was buried beside Emmerich at Sekeshverheva. His tomb was the scene of miracles, and forty-five years after his death, by order of Pope St. Gregory VII at the request of King St. Ladislaus, his relics were enshrined in a chapel within the great church of Our Lady at Buda. Innocent XI appointed his festival for September 2 in 1686, the Emperor Leopold having on that day recovered Buda from the hands of the Turks. Today I'm going to show you the family tree of Hungarian monarchs, shown on this chart in green. I'll be concentrating on the medieval period, starting with the first king of Hungary, Saint Stephen, and concluding at the point in which the Hungarian crown came to be held by the Holy Roman Emperors from the House of Habsburg. I'll be using part of my new Eastern Europe version of my royal family tree chart, which if you're watching this in the summer of 2019 is still under construction. However, from September onwards, it will be available as a poster from my website, usefulcharts.com. The medieval kingdom of Hungary, as well as the modern day Republic of Hungary, is located in Eastern Europe in what is known as the Pannonian Basin. This week, myself and nine other history YouTubers have put together a special collaboration called Project Pannonia. If you're interested in learning more about the history of Hungary and the Pannonian Basin, you can check out the playlist, which I've linked to in the description.
The first dynasty to rule the kingdom of Hungary was the House of Arpad. The dynasty takes its name from an early Hungarian leader named Arpad, who helped lead the Hungarian conquest of the Pannonian Basin. Originally, the Hungarians actually had a kind of dual monarchy, with one religious leader and one military leader, and it is thought that Arpad held one of these positions. However, during the conquest, the other leader, named Kurjan, was killed. This led to the dual monarchy being abolished and the Arpad descendants becoming the main leaders. Very little is actually known about these early Arpads, such as what their exact titles were and who exactly reigned what and when. But what we do know is that in the year 1000, one of the Arpad descendants was declared king. That individual, known as Stephen I, transformed Hungary into a Christian nation, and because of this was later granted a sainthood. If you're interested in learning more about the Christianization of Hungary, I suggest you check out the video by the channel History Time, which comes directly before this video on the Project Pannonia playlist, which I've linked to in the description. Stephen I outlived his two sons, so when he died, he was followed by several other relatives, including a nephew, a brother-in-law, and then two cousins. Initially, these two cousins were allies. Andrew was king and Bela was expected to be the next king. However, when Solomon was born, a civil war started between these two branches of the family. First, Bela defeated Andrew and became king, thus preventing Solomon from succeeding his father. But the supporters of Solomon then defeated Bela and Solomon became king anyway. But the civil war did not end there. Bela's sons continued to rebel against Solomon and eventually defeated him. The eldest brother, Geza, became king and then was followed by the second son, Ladislaus I. Ladislaus, who was later granted a sainthood, is important because during his reign, Hungary expanded its borders and ended up conquering Croatia. Croatia remained a separate kingdom, but from this point forward, the king of Hungary was also the king of Croatia. Ladislaus did not have any sons, so he was succeeded by his nephew, Kalaman. However, I should note that Ladislaus did have a daughter who married the Byzantine emperor. That demonstrates that by this point, Hungary was seen as a major power in Eastern Europe. After Kalaman, we get Stephen II, Bela II, and Geza II. Geza II was married to a Kievan princess and reigned during the time of the Second Crusade. After Geza, we get two Stephens, uh, and it appears as though Stephen IV reigned before Stephen III, so let me explain. During this time, Hungary came into conflict with the nearby Byzantine Empire. When Geza II died, his son Stephen was named king and thus became Stephen III. 
However, the Byzantines supported Geza's brothers instead as rival kings. So initially this brother became Ladislaus II, and then after he died, this brother became Stephen IV. But eventually, Stephen III was able to defeat Stephen IV and finally secure his place as the sole king. In the end, he died childless and therefore the line passes through his younger brother. Instead, that brother became Bela III. Interestingly, before Bela III became king, he was expected to also become the Byzantine emperor, having been engaged to the emperor's daughter and only child. But then the emperor ended up having a son and the engagement was called off. Had Bela become both Byzantine emperor and king of Hungary, history might have gone in a very different direction, but it did not. He was followed by his son, who became King Emeric. Emeric was the first to use the Arpad stripes, which we saw earlier on the Hungarian coat of arms. When Emeric died, his four-year-old son became king, but then died at age five. So Emeric's brother Andrew ended up as king. You can also see here that Emeric had a sister named Constance, who married the first hereditary king of Bohemia, Ottokar I. Andrew had uh, several important daughters. His eldest daughter married the emperor of Bulgaria. His second daughter became a popular Catholic saint, and his third daughter married the king of Aragon, and therefore the later kings of Spain are all descended from her. Their eldest brother became Bela IV, and he is one of the more important kings in medieval Hungarian history. He had the bad luck of being king during the time when the Mongols were conquering just about everyone. Initially, his armies were defeated by the Mongols and his lands ravaged by them. But following the initial devastation, he managed to rebuild the country and strengthen it so that when the Mongols came back, this time the Hungarians were able to successfully hold them back. For this reason, he is sometimes referred to as the second founder of the country. In addition to being a brother of a saint, he was also the father of two more saints. One of his daughters became Saint Kinga of Poland, and another became Saint Margaret of Hungary. But after the death of this powerful king, Hungary started to weaken due to internal conflict. His son Stephen V had a very short reign and was followed by Ladislaus IV, who was only 10 years old when he became king. He was then followed by Andrew III, who ended up being the last king from the Arpad dynasty. By this point, Hungary was practically existing in a state of anarchy, with local leaders holding all the power. With no more Arpad males available, the throne ended up being given to several different people, first to the king of Bohemia, and then to a female line grandson of Bela IV, known as King Otto. 
Eventually, the throne settled upon the House of Anjou, which was a branch of the French royal house of Capet. This is because Stephen V had a daughter who married the King of Naples, who was from that house. Their grandson, Charles, became King of Hungary in 1308. He managed to reunite the country and re-exert royal authority over the many rebellious regions. This set the stage for the reign of his son, who became known as Louis the Great. During the reign of Louis the Great, Hungary carried out many successful military campaigns and the country reached its peak of power. Louis also became King of Poland in 1370, inheriting the throne from his maternal uncle, Kazimir the Great. Kazimir did not have any sons, so the Polish throne passed to Louis through his mother, Elizabeth, who was Kazimir's sister. However, Louis also didn't have any sons, so here's what happened after he died. He had three daughters, but the eldest daughter died before he did, so this left two daughters. He gave the older daughter, named Mary, the throne of Hungary, and he gave the younger daughter, named Jadwiga, the throne of Poland. Note that Poland is shown on this chart in red. In both cases, though, their husbands ended up co-reigning with them. And in fact, the thrones ended up being passed through children that their husbands had with other wives. So in the case of Hungary, Mary's husband Sigismund, who also happened to be the king of Bohemia, as well as the Holy Roman Emperor, became the sole monarch of Hungary after the death of Mary. He's shown in yellow because on this chart, yellow represents Bohemia. He and Mary had no children, and he had no sons, even with his second wife, so his titles ended up passing to his son-in-law, Albert, through his only daughter, Elizabeth. Albert died after a fairly short reign and was succeeded in Hungary by his son, Ladislaus, who was actually born after his father died, and in Hungary was known as Ladislaus V. Because he was just a baby, he needed to have regents to run the country on his behalf. One of these regents was a popular general named John Hunyadi. When the young King Ladislaus died at age 17, John Hunyadi's son, Matthias Corvinus, was made king. Both he and his father are popular figures in Hungarian history due to their success in battle against the growing Ottoman Empire. If you want to learn more about these two men, I suggest you check out the video by the Knowledgeia channel. That video comes directly after this one on the Project Pannonia playlist, which I've linked to in the description. After the death of Matthias Corvinus, the throne of Hungary passed to this individual over here, who happened also to be the King of Bohemia. The reason for this is twofold. 
First, he has a connection to Queen Jadwiga, who was the daughter of King Louis the Great, who became Queen of Poland. You can see that connection here through another wife of this individual. But also he has a connection to King Albert through a daughter here. And so he ended up becoming king of both Bohemia and Hungary. So once again, those two countries were somewhat united. From here, we get a King Louis, who in Hungary was uh, King Louis II, before this male line dies out, and the thrones therefore pass to Louis's brother-in-law, Ferdinand, from the infamous House of Habsburg. Ferdinand was the younger brother of the great emperor and king of Spain, Charles V. Charles V named his son Philip as his successor in Spain, but he named his brother Ferdinand as his successor in the Holy Roman Empire. So in 1556, Ferdinand became the Holy Roman Emperor, but he was also the King of Bohemia and the King of Hungary. So from this point forward, those three titles King of Bohemia, King of Hungary, and Holy Roman Emperor pretty much stayed together and remained with the Habsburgs all the way to 1918 at the end of World War I. There were a few exceptions, and of course, the Holy Roman Emperor eventually became the Austrian Emperor. But if you want to know who was the King of Hungary after this point, you basically just have to trace the Habsburg line that follows from Ferdinand I. If you want to see how that goes, you can check out my video on the Habsburgs, which again, I'll link to in the description. One other thing to note, when King Louis II died in battle against the Ottomans, there were actually two people that claimed the throne of Hungary. One, as I mentioned, was Ferdinand. The other was a noble from Transylvania named John Zapolia. He and then his son were rival kings to Ferdinand, with Ferdinand controlling the western part of the country and the Sapolias controlling the eastern part. But eventually the Sapolia line died out and the Habsburgs ended up controlling all of Hungary. So that is where we will end things for today. Once again, I encourage you to check out the full playlist for Project Pannonia and support the other channels involved in this collaboration. If you're wondering when you'll see a video about Poland or some of the Scandinavian countries that I'm planning to show on this same chart, such as Sweden and Norway, you can expect to see those videos starting in September, once I've finished designing this poster. If you find history, genealogy, and monarchies interesting, be sure to subscribe to the channel. If you check the playlists, you'll find that I have videos covering the family trees of famous dynasties from all over the world.